Our second scripture lesson for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30 and 36 through 43. Hear now the word of the Lord. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came to him and said, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him, saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the word, is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. First, I just want to say thank you to Lauren and Dave for inviting me to preach this morning. As Lauren mentioned, I was involved in ministry here for many years before my husband and I moved to Mountainside. This is a, an important community to me, and I'm so happy to be back with you all. I also need to ask forgiveness for the Elsa-inspired sermon title. I just got back from Disneyland last weekend, and I really have no other excuse. <laughs> now that that's out of the way. Out in the front of our house, we have a couple of large bushes. I think they're a bit ugly, but I'm grateful for the privacy they provide to our front windows. Over the past few weeks, I've noticed that they now have a new friend. 
field bindweed, better known as morning glory. The flowers are pretty, but if you know anything about morning glory, you know that it's an aggressive weed that finds other plants and climbs up them, growing deep roots and overtaking the original plant. It's also extremely hard to remove. Pulling it up completely is nearly impossible because the root pieces left behind re-sprout and the growth of the weed spreads. It's also hard to remove because it's wrapped around the plant you want to keep with twisting and winding stems. It's likely Jesus's listeners would have assumed that he was talking about a weed we now call Darnell. It's a poisonous wheat look-alike that grows mixed in with wheat. It would have been impossible for ancient farmers to separate the Darnell seeds from wheat seeds, let alone to rip them up once they started growing. But it's understandable that the enslaved workers in Jesus's parable would ask the householder if they should rip up the weeds. They're invaders. They don't belong and they threaten the purity of the wheat. But the master says no. He tells them it will all be sorted during the harvest. Now, this parable actually surrounds two other very short parables about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And he also says, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The wheat grows, the mustard seed grows, the flower grows. The kingdom of heaven is a kingdom of growth. God has given us this season in which to grow. But the story Jesus tells about the wheat and the weeds suggests that God's people can be distracted from and even endanger our growth journeys. In focusing on the wheat and the weeds, on who's in and who's out, or who's righteous and who's not, God's people might squander this season of growth. Now, I want you to imagine the stereotypical cantankerous older gentleman yelling, get off my lawn. Maybe an image of Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Menace comes to mind. I've recently encountered someone like this online the 21st century version of get off my lawn. There's an older gentleman in my neighborhood who's part of our townwide Facebook group. Every day or so, he posts a dash cam video or a picture of someone throwing litter out of their car in our town. Now, don't get me wrong, littering is not okay, but this guy is obsessed. He sends the videos to the police and tracks each case, even posting follow-ups on Facebook to let everyone know that a company or person has paid their fine. 
He has stacks of them. I wonder, though, is he investing as much time and energy doing things to improve his own stewardship of the earth or to help others truly learn how to live more eco-conscious lifestyles? He spends so much time and energy catching others when that time and energy could be spent intentionally reducing plastic waste in his own day-to-day -day life, or growing a sustainable garden for his family, or learning and teaching others about care for the environment. Now, maybe he does have his own garden or use very little plastic, but the focus of his energies seems to be on others' flaws and failures, not on his own ability to care for the earth well and to help guide others toward that end. Maybe he thinks a punitive approach will help others learn. I'm certain there are better ways. Someone who is so focused on keeping children from playing in the grass or catching people throwing trash out from their cars or who is so focused on silencing voices with whom they disagree or kicking churches out of denominations, is less focused on growth. And this season is our time to grow. At various moments in Jesus' teaching ministry, the disciples or religious leaders argue about who's in or who's out of God's reign. It's also clear from Paul's letters that the early Christians also struggled with identifying who qualifies as a true Christian. But if we're so focused on trying to figure out who's wheat and who's weed, we might lose ourselves in the process. The slaves said to him, then do you want us to go and gather the weeds? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. This is the danger. In focusing on picking out the weeds, the good growth itself might die. I've been slowly adding to my plant friends around the house. For every three or so that thrive, one dies. It's not perfect, but I'm learning. I recently decided it was time to learn how to cultivate a bonsai. I did some research at the public library, and I bought a Chinese elm from a local plant nursery. It lost all of its lives, with, uh, all of its leaves within weeks. It's probably dead. <laughs> it's sitting there, probably dead. I do, however, have some thriving snake plants. My one-year-old daughter, Celeste, helps me water them every week or so. A few days ago, we were watering them, and I showed her some new offshoots that were growing on the sides of the main plant. Someday, I told her they can be propagated. I didn't use that word with her. <laughs> but I told her they could be propagated and given to someone else. My bonsai was still sitting next there, next um, to the snake plants, one practically dead and the other with several offshoots. How in this season of growth is our faith cultivating offshoots? Where is our new growth in the fruits of the Spirit?
Where are we searching for answers to deeper questions about God and the world? Where are we guiding others in their faith journeys? Or is our faith life more like the wheat that's pulled up because we're focused on ridding our church and the world of others' flaws and failures? Is our faith life more like the bonsai? Even if it isn't dead yet, it certainly isn't growing anymore. It's effectively dead. God has given us this season in which to grow. When we focus on growth and not on deciding who's wrong or out of the fold, that doesn't mean we don't call out the evils of the world and work toward justice. As part of our growth in faith, we learn how to see the world better through God's eyes. We do call out injustice and work toward shalom. We do speak God's truth to powerful people and systems that oppress and harm others. Those thoughts and actions of the work of justice come as we learn, as we grow, as we live more with the fruits of the Spirit. These acts of justice come not because we're hell-bent on bringing about judgment to anyone we think has done wrong. They come because we have grown to know the goodness of God in the land of the living. To, to, to see better how we can live into that reality of God's goodness. We engage in the work of justice because we have grown to see the topsy-turvy nature of the kingdom of God, where love looks like laying down one's life for a friend, and justice looks like grace. These fruits of our spiritual growth are only possible in community. In all of his parables about the kingdom of heaven, Jesus never mentions a field with one wheat stalk. We're all in this together, and that's where it gets complicated. The world and the church is full of people we'd rather not grow alongside. Whether or not you think there are weeds in the church really depends on your ecclesiology or theology of the church. But at a cursory glance, it does at least seem like there are people and groups in the church writ large, or maybe even sitting next to us, that we'd love to excommunicate or show the door. Now here's your church history lesson for the morning. In the early fourth century, a group of Christians in Northern Africa suffered under persecution at the hands of Diocletian. Some of these Christians handed over the scriptures to the authorities because they weren't allowed to possess them. When, the, when that all ended, and the new bishop of Carthage was consecrated by someone who had done that, an argument ensued. Could the sacraments be offered by someone who had handed over the sacred texts, who had essentially given in under threat of persecution? The group who thought that anyone who offered the sacraments should be holy and pure of faith picked a rival bishop 
and what is now known as the Donatist controversy was in full swing. Eventually, some theologians, Augustine included, helped the church clarify that the minister, the pastor, the person offering the sacraments doesn't affect the validity of the sacraments. The true minister is Christ. The Donatists wanted to remove the weeds from the wheat. Augustine provides us with a more nuanced and complicated understanding of the church. He suggests that there's a visible church. That's the one we see and we talk about when we say the church. And an invisible church, one that only God sees, the wheat. We could, like the Donatists, focus all our energy on trying to pull the weeds that are really hard to tell from the wheat. Or we could use our energy to grow together in this season. I asked earlier if your faith is more like the offshoot on the snake plant or the practically dead bonsai. I wonder now how you're using this season of growth to help others grow in their faith. The church might be full of wheat and weeds, but in this season of growth, how are we cultivating not just our own faith, but the faith of others too? What relationships are you building where you talk about faith and life together? Are you involved in teaching in the church or raising children with intentional spiritual practices in your home? Are you discipling or mentoring someone else in their faith? Maybe you don't feel equipped to do any of that. If that's the case, I would recommend having a conversation with Lauren or Dave or Len or Mark or someone else on staff to, to explore resources for growing in your own faith and to help you think about how you can be involved in helping others grow. God has given us this season in which to grow. So, let it grow, let it grow, don't hold it back anymore. Thanks be to God. <laughs>